Hi everyone, I'm Heaven. I'm Tracy. And welcome to another round with Heaven and Tracy. So let's get into today's episode. Heaven is going to read one of her most esteemed posts <laughs> that ran on BuzzFeed.com, the website. Hey. We also have my friend Jean Demby here today to talk about a very interesting topic that was trending on Twitter recently. Um, and that conversation was about the whiteness of the public radio voice. And Jean knows a lot about this because he works for NPR and has to deal with and talk about this on a daily basis. We're also going to do another round of what it happened was. And if you missed the first run of this segment, this is just a story of something that actually happened to one or both of us in our lives. Um, and this is a story straight out of my vault of crazy things that happened to me in college. Okay, so what it happened was... Mm-hmm. I am a freshman in college, right? And a little bit of background, I went to college at this teeny tiny, super conservative, super white. The religion that it is affiliated with is Disciples of Christ, which Mm -hmm. I actually didn't know a lot about then, don't know a lot about it now. But I mean, it's a religion, you know, so I mean, pretty strict. And it was really, really tiny, about 1,100 students in total. 20 of those students were black when I started there, and that was like a school record. The school was founded in 1780, okay? I, I started at this school in 2001, or 2000. So what's the name of this place? The name is Transylvania University, which is a real <laughs> Which does not school. sound real. <laughs> it's located in Lexington, Kentucky, which is like, um, they're most known for like horses and horses. They're like, most not... known for horses? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they are, because I mean, that's the word. So like, you're at this horse the... college. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Go on. And also a thing to note about Lexington is that it's ruled or it's run with a lot of really, really old money. And a lot of this money happens to belong to Confederate sympathizers. So Makes there's sense. a very strong, yeah, like the city and the campus especially were littered with like Confederate monuments and, and um, statues and even on campus, like one of the... Uh, dorms is named after Jefferson Davis, who, of course, was the president of the Confederacy. There was a big bust of him in the library. So I had a lot of fun there as a 17, 18 year old militant ass (laughs) black girl. I had a lot of fun. So randomly, we hear that there's going to be a Klan rally downtown. Okay. (laughs) So me and my group of friends, it was about three or four other black women. Um, and some white kids from the Progress group on campus. I think their name was actually Progress, which wow. is not really uh, that <laughs> creative or inventive. I but love they hearing were... people's like college group <laughs> names for like the black people or like the progressive people. Yeah, the the progressive whites were were called um, Progress. They were all very sweet. Just I the general them. noun Progress. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it, y'all. That's what that's what they wanted. They were like, you know what? Okay, straightforward. All right, you went with Progress. So we went with Progress. <laughs> There was a women's group that went down and, uh, you know, we were just like, you know, we want to go and see. I wanted to go and see what it was like because I'm just like, I can't believe this is still happening. Yeah. Because this is something that happens in movies, right? I mean, I don't know if I would be like, oh, let me go hit up a clan rally. Well, I was. But you're a different person than I I was a really (laughs) angry, really angry young black woman at the time. I mean, just... Did you More like, stories feel for at all that you were like going to be unsafe? I'm pretty sure that most of Progress was like skinny vegetarian. So they did not necessarily <laughs> make me feel safe. People who wouldn't square up with you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> However, my roommate and best friend, hey, Brittany girl, how you doing? Six foot three. So okay. I don't know what would have happened to Progress, but me and Britt would have been all right. So the Klan itself was on the steps of City Hall, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's like this line of police officers and barricades is keeping all of the protesters. And there were more protesters there than actual Klansmen, keeping them um, away from the Klansmen 
to keep them safe because free speech, rah, rah, wow. blah, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got a job to do. I wouldn't mad at the cops. So the Klan's on the steps of the of City Hall and, you know, we got to take the land back from niggers and saying niggers and they're raping our women and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, this is crazy. Like, I felt like I was on a movie set. I really, really did. So the fact they, the fact that I'm at a Klan rally in the year 2000 is not the most absurd part of this story. Okay, I'm listening. <laughs> As this is all going on, like we're listening to this man like spew like the most hateful speech I've ever heard in my life. At the corner of my eye, I see this guy, this random black guy. I think he was in like sweats. He looks like he could have been an athlete. Um, UK was like a few blocks down the road from my school. So, and so he's standing there. So all there. the protesters are students. Students and um, just regular citizens of Lexington. Okay. But there were a lot of students there because, you know, when you're a student, you, have free time. you protest. <laughs> you know, that's what you, you take a sociology class and you get you're ready like, to fix everything up. that's wrong in the world. We exactly. got to go protest, man. Exactly. Yes. But this guy's motives seemed just a little bit off because he's, <laughs> I'm there with my friend Brittany and my friend Candace, right? Hey, girl. Hey, Candace. So Candace has the biggest ass I've ever seen. I say this lovingly. I was very <laughs> jealous for a while because I got a little something. But Candace was just like, listen. Yeah, we all have that person in our lives. <laughs> uh, let me get on some squats. <laughs> yes. What, what are too you much. doing? Exactly. No one's asking to do all that. <laughs> so she and I are standing next to each other. I'm standing here. Candace is to my left. And to Candace's left and a little behind us is this guy. And he's like leaning over trying to make conversation here and there. And I'm like, okay, hey, hey. How how you doing? Yeah, this is crazy, right? It's a Klan rally. Oh, my God. <laughs> making small talk at a Just making small rally. talk sure. at a Klan rally. And so eventually I catch him out of the corner of my eye and he's pointing at Candace's butt and then at my butt and then at <gasps> Candace's butt and then at my butt. Oh, no. This N-word no. is eeny, meeny, miny, <laughs> mowing. Why did you censor yourself? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. We can curse. I know. We... I think this is a pro N-word podcast. I think it should be, too. Yes. Okay, so he's looking at Candace's butt, he's looking at my butt, mm-hmm. and he's looking at Candace's butt, mm-hmm. he's looking at my butt. So he's eeny, meeny, miny, moeing, not like even like our the, our faces or the backs of our wow. heads or like our shoulders, like straight to the And definitely ass. like obvious enough where you would notice. Exactly. At a clan Like rally. not even... <laughs> I can't even think of a classy way to holler at somebody at a Klan rally like, damn, man, this injustice is crazy, right? You know what I'm saying? You know what, you know what I mean? mean? So, um, so what y'all doing after this? Y'all want to go and talk black liberation or something? How do you, there's no smooth way to do it. Oh, no. So I see this happen and I'm pissed. So I whip my head around. And I'm like, mm-hmm, it's a really tough decision, isn't it? And he was like, oh, I, what? Uh, I, uh, and I was like, mm-hmm, I'm going to get back to the Klan rally now if you don't mind. <laughs> How can you make a clan rally more absurd? <laughs> That's how. <laughs> men will find a way to do it. Um, if there's a way to fuck something up, men will find the way. So now we're going to read the list that me and Tracy both wrote, the conditions upon which one may claim reverse racism. And if you write about race on the internet, if you say the word if race you were, and you're yeah, a person just of color, whisper it. You already know. <laughs> High on a hilltop by yourself. Yes. Somebody will find you and say, no, you're the racist. This yes. is reverse so racism. So if you are familiar with that, you will. this will be immediately legible to you. If you're not counting yourself fucking lucky. <laughs> One. When you're rewinding 12 Years a Slave. <laughs> Two. When someone throws down the Uno reverse card and yells a racial slur. 
I hate when that happens. Uh, never <laughs> Three, when you're playing a song backward to hear the secret message and it's racist. <laughs> Four, when you're looking in your rearview mirror and you see someone being denied their voting rights. Five, when a white judge is singing along to Missy Elliott's Work It and putting his thing down, flipping it and reversing it as he issues a harsher sentence to a person of color for the crime that white people get less time for. Message. Bloop, bloop. Six. <laughs> Six. When you're taking a selfie and you see a person in blackface behind you. Wild. I don't know if that ever has happened to you. It has not to me. Well, let me tell you a story about this time I was at a Klan rally. <laughs> Seven. When someone gains time travel capabilities and goes back in time to try to convince Rosa Parks to give up her seat. It's so messed up. You have time travel and that's what you're going to do. Get <laughs> right? it together. Whack. <laughs> Eight. When you turn around during the reverse part of the cha-cha slide and you witness a hate crime. Nine. When you're turning your reversible jacket inside out and you get stopped and frisked. <laughs> this makes more sense when reversible jackets were thing. <laughs> <laughs> not really so popping right now. Are they not a thing anymore? I feel like they're not. Mm. We, should, we should do an investigation on that at some point. Number 10. When you're black and doing a backstroke in the swimming pool, but everybody is surprised that you can swim. Shaking my head. Heaven, can you swim? Is that a racist question? I can, but not well. <laughs> Ditto. I hear you. 11. When you're doing the Roger Rabbit while you're trying to gerrymander a voting block to your white candidate's advantage. <laughs> Fun fact, I first learned what gerrymandering is as we were writing this article. I mean, you knew what it was, though. I just I'd put never the heard word that word. It. I thought you were seriously just You make, knew the political concept. Right, but the name. I didn't know that, that, that was. That's why we're a good team. Oh, you're right. I knew the concept. I knew the word. Oh, look at us. <laughs> look at us. <laughs> 12. When you're Benjamin Buttoning and no matter your age, it's really hard to get a job because of discrimination. 13. When you're backing your car up into your parking spot in your Hollywood studio where you continue to make movies almost exclusively about white dudes. Mm, mm, mm. 14. When you're doing the moonwalk and it doesn't matter if you're black or white comes on, but it does matter, especially if you're not white. 15. When you're black and saying the alphabet backward and someone tells you you're articulate. That is wild. <laughs> Nobody can say the alphabet backward. Let that person live. Okay. 16. When your mama says, don't make me turn this car around, and she actually follows through on the threat and she gets pulled over for driving <laughs> while black. That would be so sad if your mom did turn the car around and she got pulled over while Man. doing that. Because of your ass. <laughs> Can you imagine the punishment? She's just young? trying to be a better discipliner, you know? She's just trying to be a better mom. You would never see the Let her day live. again. <laughs> and 17. When someone confronts you about your racism and you back away screaming, you know you're the real racist because you're uncomfortable. Oh. 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 oh flex bomb. Flex bomb. Oh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we don't even need sound effects. We got Tracy. <laughs> Okay, so up next, I'm very, very pleased to introduce to all of our listeners a fantastic writer and a friend of mine, uh, Mr. Gene Demby. Gene is a correspondent slash lead blogger at NPR's Code Switch, and he's also the founder of the fantastic, amazing, enlightening website, postbougie.com. Disclaimer, <laughs> I'm a little bit biased. <laughs> so yeah, since we have him here, we're going to talk a little bit about an article that ran on transom.org called The Whiteness of the Public Radio Voice. It was written by Chinjirai Kumanyika. 
Um, so the article was soon picked up by BuzzFeed, and then the conversation about the piece migrated over to Twitter, where Jean hosted it with Audie Cornish, who is the host of um, NPR's All Things Considered. Somewhere near 7 million people read the conversation and participated in it. So it's a, it's a pretty hot, hot topic. It was a trending right topic. It was a trending topic on unreal. Twitter. So I've known Jean for probably upwards of 10 years. We met online slash through an ex of mine, <laughs> randomly. <Uh-oh. laughs> Welcome to the show, G. Welcome, welcome. I'm really, really, really flattered you guys asked me to do it. I hope I don't embarrass y'all in front of you. Oh, it's too late. It's too late. We're already embarrassed. Welcome. (laughs) Okay, so there's this article we picked up on BuzzFeed Ideas called The Whiteness of the Public Radio Voice. And it's basically about how people talk on their podcasts or on the radio versus how they feel most comfortable speaking or what feels the most natural to them. Um, And the guy who wrote it was saying that there's sort of an expectation, even for people of color, that you have to sound white, in quotation marks, you have to sound white on public radio. And it hit me that this is a reason why I don't listen to podcasts, I think. Like, I've gotten so, hmm. like, used to... Even yours, <laughs> Even mine. I'm, like, petitioning her to listen this to This is going to be, podcast. like, the first podcast that I make an effort to, like, actually listen to, like, every episode. Um, Thank you for gracing us with your ears. <laughs> you welcome, girl. You welcome. Miss Elise, I could do. But yeah, like I just assume that everything is just going to be like so straight laced and like academic and just kind of boring, I guess. That's fair. I don't want to say academic, but that's. Yeah, I won't say academic at all. I won't even say straight laced. Uh, but I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to none. So I listen, I listen to a listen lot to of things that are anything. not for me and I can tell and I'm just like, all right, I guess I have to deal with this. I guess what I'm trying to say is that it always just struck me as like a very white thing. Even when Jean, you started the Post Bougie po- like podcast, like I remember the one time I was on, was it just once? Like I was terrified because I was like, oh my God, I have to sound smart. Even though like I'm podcasting with my folks, I'm just like, okay, this is not, it didn't feel to me like just a regular conversation. I was like, okay, I have to, I have to sound smart. I have to sound like I know what I'm talking about. But you are and, like, smart. I was, you know, but, but, but like, I just, I just felt like there was like a bar that I had to not only meet, but clear. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? To be mm-hmm. like podcast world ready, which is right. very different from this where I'm just like, you know, fuck is up with you having? <laughs> Shit. So, <laughs> okay, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. So let's acknowledge that the public radio space is really, really, really white, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, even the audience is really white. Like, the numbers are like 84%. It's like Utah. It's like 84% of the public radio audience is white. It's super, it's like 52, uh, at least NPR. Uh, the average age is in the 50s. The median age, I'm sorry, is in the 50s. Oof. Like, people have a bunch of degrees. Median. It's like a very specific, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? Obviously, none of that is true for us, mm, right? right? And so the podcast world, especially the big, like, well-produced like reported podcasts your radio labs your serial your um this american lives um they tend to have a coaching tree like you know to use a sports term what does that mean well okay so like a coach gets hired then he puts his people on his assistant coach whatever whatever and then that person gets hired the assistant coach is hired blah 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 blah. and then you have this whole coaching philosophy that's out there in the world right (laughs) so like this american life is ira glass but like you know sarah canick is from this american life so it doesn't sound you know is it sounds like this american life but also you know uh lulu miller my colleague and uh uh elise spiegel my colleague here who do invisibilia that love it shout out to (laughs) y'all Alex Bloomberg was from This American Life and he did Planet Money and now he has Gimlet, his own podcasting company. And so there's sort of a sensibility that infuses those things, right? And so it is true that like there is definitely like a thing that you think about when you think of those certain kinds of podcasts. But then you have podcasts like The Read, right? Mm-hmm. And you have podcasts like like this where it's just, you know, it's very, they're very different. They sound different. You know, they, they have different sensibilities. And I feel like I think you got to think about podcasts separately from sort of public radio more broadly. But I do think that conversation, obviously, from the all this, the shit they kicked up, like, obviously, 
touched a bunch of nerves. And you guys had a dope Twitter conversation about it, right? I mean, yeah, because obviously public radio people wanted to talk, <laughs> wanted to <laughs> yeah. talk about this quite a lot. Um, so, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the guy who wrote it, Chenjirai uh, Umenika, um, he was on the summer, uh, I'm sorry, he was on All Things Considered talking about it. So me and Audie Cornish sat down in a room and we had like a Twitter chat about this. Me, Audie Cornish, Sam Sanders, uh, and a few other NPR and public radio people who are um, African-American had this conversation about sort of what it means to sound a certain way and if you have to, mod- how, how you modulate between these two spaces and which, you know, in ways that are sort of racially coded, right? And the thing with Audie is like, if Audie sounds exactly the same off the mic as she sounds like on, you know, I mean, she's more sarcastic and snarky and hilarious <laughs> off the mic, but like, you know what I mean? Like, people are always surprised that she's black, you know what I mean? Hmm. They're always like, oh, they Googled her and they clutch like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. To me, when I first popped up on, when I, first, when I did my first two-way on Morning Edition, like when Code Switch first launched, I was very cognizant of the fact that one, you know, I dropped my G's and stuff. I'm from South Philly. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm polished. <laughs> but also, like, I was also worried about sounding too polished. Just like, I was worried that I was going to sound like, you know, not black enough, which is funny because all, because they all like, you sound super black to me. And I was like, that's. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> but the, th- the thing is that there's all these assumptions baked into, to, to Tracy's point about not feeling like the podcast world speaks to her, there's a whole bunch of people who won't listen to... I mean, <laughs> I guess I'm used to those voices and, like, those kinds of conversations because I grew up around so many white people. Mm. Or, actually, let me say, college prepared me for, like, the whiteness of that world. So I do like some parts of podcasts. I'm like, I guess this is just the way it is. So as we have this conversation, <laughs> I'm trying to put my own experience and my own story into context because I too come from Kentucky mm-hmm. and I went to college I'm with the whitest country as people like on earth right mm-hmm. a lot of them like I regarded as hostile in a way that I don't typically like regard like white people everywhere and it's like I don't I didn't make the link between like whiteness and like leisure like there was no whiteness involved in anything leisurely in my life you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying like all of my music was black even though like I love like all kinds of music like I was like extra extra super black then and like um, <laughs> and I feel like I've just sort of carried that with me you know like it was like four years of watching BET not because mm. I like BET but because this was like the only <laughs> chance I had yeah, to, to totally. see black people like seriously so did that, did that sort of carry with you as you left into like as you left college and you moved to, to Philly and like mm-hmm. you did you sort of like double down on like being in black cultural spaces I think so like so I just I. so <laughs> much blackness like I mean part of the reason that I moved to Philly was I was like listen I need some Negroes. I need Negroes. So I went to West Philly. Oh, and like, so real. At this point, I'm not watching BET anymore. I'm like listening to Common and Most Deaf because I've evolved, you know, oh, having God. gotten out of Kentucky. Oh, God. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's a definite, like, learned thing that I don't think I've yet unlearned. Hmm. This is so fascinating to me. I've known you for, what, 12 you years? Don't now? Don't know I don't know. You don't know me. You don't be asking about <laughs> like, this. Is really fa- so, so, okay, so, like, you work in this space, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, where I mean, even though BuzzFeed does a really good job, it's more diverse than a lot of newsrooms, right. by quite a bit, actually. And do you feel pressure to, since we're talking about code switching and public radio voice and, and voice and public voices, do you feel like you are modulating between who you are, like, on Twitter or who you are in real life? And who you are when you write a post for um, BuzzFeed? Oh, Lord. Mm. <laughs> well, let's, let's start at the top. Um, I don't feel that same separation with the white folks that I work with at BuzzFeed because they're like, you know, it's just like white folks who like get it, you know? Right. So I can let my hair down a little bit more. You know, I mm-hmm. um, something that I do notice, though, is my accent um, modulates without me um, 
doing it on purpose. And I really hate that because I feel like, especially since doing the podcast, like I'm very conscious of my accent and when I'm trying to like tone it down. And that's the thing that sort of really, that was the basic, that is right there. That is the thrust of the public radio, the pub radio voice conversation was like how much people feel this pressure to sort of fit into this sort of, I don't want to be all like critical theory, but this normative idea of... um, Of like what it sounds like to be professional, right? Mm-hmm. And so like, and professional is like, it is classed, right? It is race, right? It is gendered. Like, I mean, even on NPR, like when you talk about NPR's whiteness, like there aren't that many people on the radio with Southern accents or like mm-hmm. drawls, right? You know what I mean? It's like when we say whiteness, you're talking about a very specific sort of social location that people are having. Right. And it's not like you know, people who sound like people from where I'm from in South Philly, like white people in South Philly don't sound like NPR uh, reporters and announcers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, or, <laughs> sure like <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it's like a very, it is a very specific thing that, that people are sort of wrestling with. And I thought it was interesting because it wasn't just about sort of, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff about vocal fry in that conversation, right? Uh. About sort of like, uh, and there's all sorts of stuff about, um, sort of, I mean, you know, if there are lots of, there were people who were in the, during this conversation, there wasn't a ton of pushback, but there was pushback. And some of the people were like, I hate it when the Latino reporters like punch up their names. Like we have a reporter <laughs> name. What does that mean? Punch up their name. So Claudio Sanchez says Claudio Sanchez, NPR. And people were like, oh, why so is he saying that? pronounce his name right is what they well, mean. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. But so <laughs> there's this very class and normative idea of like what it means to sound professional, right? Mm. And so, you know, there's this thing that a lot of people like Tracy and like Chenjirai are trying to like navigate, which is like, how do I sound both sort of like I belong in this medium, but also how do I sound like me? You know what I mean? Mm. And it's not, it's something you have to work at I guess I don't know I mean I'm not even close to being there so I don't know what I'm talking you're about. not close to being there no oh, oh, man. I sound like that makes you so sad you're at NPR you're hope <laughs> I mean but I'm not like an on air person I'll be blogging I'll be typing you know what I mean and every time I go in there like the first time I had a, literally the first conversation I had at NPR was about code switching because it was the name of our blog and I'd explain code switching and I'm sitting across from David Green who was like the, the coolest dopest person in the world but he has like this he's like you know he's in his 30s like a young dude he's really cool and like but he has this like big sonorous NPR voice hello I'm David Green like he hits all of <laughs> his enunciates you know what I mean and I'm like you know um uh code switching is when you like I felt like I was cognizant of all the the sort of jankiness in my regular syntax and stuff like that and so it just yeah I don't know I feel like we I, I think a lot of people feel like that but then like you then listen to like you know, so many people can turn it on and off. Like some people, so people like Audie Cornish or Sam Sanders don't, they sound the same, right? But like, you know, we had a colleague named Allison Keys. She sounded like, you know, like a cousin of mine. And then she went there and she's like, Allison Keys, <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> and I can't do that, you know? But the other question is like, should you have to do that? Mm, like, you know? Because, yeah. I mean, that's why Tracy ain't listening to cereal. You know what I'm I really like cereal. Um, Tracy needs to listen to some podcasts. Um, there are some genuinely great ones I would recommend. I believe it. That I'm I go out try. of my way to recommend to people. But I also think that there is more space for people like Tracy and y'all, totally. I mean, which y'all doing to make podcasts, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's like, this is the thing. Like one of the big problems that public radio faces is like, okay, so it's super white, right? It's not very brown. It's not like brown people ain't listening to the radio. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you go to, like, Chicago or Philadelphia, there's incredible market penetration on, like, you know, on urban radio or whatever. Like, you have to... that There's an audience out there that is that is already listening to the radio, that already has the radio on, that is engaged, that has personalities that they like to listen to or whatever, whatever. But they, you have to find other ways to meet people where mm. they are. You know what I mean? Like, maybe you don't want to listen to... 
um, Garrison Keillor. I'm not gonna I'm gonna leave that alone because I have very strong thoughts about that. You know what I mean? But like maybe oh, like there, there does not mean you can't have a a really in depth conversation a la Terry Gross with Manny Fresh, or you can't have a really in depth conversation yes. with you know you know what I mean with like uh, Janelle Monae or something like that. Like you know there's space for sort of different voices and different perspectives, and this is like a thing that media in general needs to fix. It's not specific to public radio, but it's a thing that you know that obviously is close to my heart because you know. Like, I want brown people to stories to sort of get play. And I want different stories and different perspectives to sort of be front and center. So, I mean, yeah, I want Tracy to listen to some podcast. <laughs> I feel like that's the takeaway like, here. I'm, yeah, the, honestly, I'm the person that we need goals. to win over <laughs> as I'm here on my own podcast. I think you would love, love Snap Judgment. I think I think you would love that. I love the read. Mm-hmm. I love some of like the just traditional NPR ones. Shout out to Pop Culture Happy Hour. Call Your Girlfriend with Amina. I mean, not yes. to. <laughs> Full name. <laughs> Amina and uh, Ann Friedman. Ann Friedman. The Nerdist like, Network has a huge podcast channels, but I really like their Nerdist Writers panel. Dope for like all writers of all kinds. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. I feel like, Tracy, because you have a short attention span and you go down rabbit holes, I feel like you would love like the stuff you should know and stuff your mom uh, never taught you. Yeah, uh, totally. Podcast is li- literally just like... 15 minutes on trivia like hey did you know this about bats I feel like that is Tracy <gasps> yes in what a is nutshell. it called this is me <laughs> stuff you should know and stuff your mom never told you stuff, oh the, stuff your mom never told you is just like women's history and sort of women's issues right but like it's like a sort of like hey th- where did the bra come from yeah let's tell you the story of where bras came from oh my God, like, where did you know, bras come from I know exactly right that seems like Tracy to me like you know what I mean <laughs> what did, you, did you know this about owls <laughs> <laughs> yes how owls work <laughs> Tracy like ooh let me put some popcorn on. <laughs> put some popcorn on. Jean, thank you so much for coming and talking far too much. Join us next time on another thank round. You thank you for having me. Us. No, I still don't got it. <laughs> I can't do it. From Washington, D.C., I'm Jean Demby, NPR News. That was fantastic. I know, right? Was it? <laughs> it was. I sorry that you slayed that. <laughs> From New York, this is Heaven Nagatu. <laughs> Why are you inhaling? I can't do it. I can't do this. Why do you sound that way? (laughs) From New York, this is Tracy with another round. Tracy's joke time. Nana, nana, telling jokes in the stewed. No. Jokes in the stewed. Nobody's calling it the steed. Not yet. Okay, so (laughs) this is a joke that I used to tell maybe about five years ago. It's okay. So it's still an oldie, still a goodie, right? I will try to make this quick, I promise. Oh, God. So recall that there's always a Bob and a Jerome in my jokes. Sure. At least. Sure. So, guy named Bob. Bob is married. Bob's having troubles. (laughs) I'm sorry. Bob is having some trouble with his wife. They're growing apart. They're kind of distant. He's working long hours and he comes home and she's kind of cold and distant. and don't talk to him, whatever. And so Bob really loves his wife, so he doesn't want to get her divorced. So he goes out one night looking for companionship. Mm-hmm. He wanders into a pet store. In the pet store, he sees cats. Eh, not really a cat person. He sees dogs. Mm, not really Bob Speed. He sees a <laughs> parrot in the cage. Okay. He gets close to this parrot and he sees the parrot perched very still. On on a perch, I guess parrots perch on a perch. <laughs> I never no, parrots never, be perching. <laughs> I never considered that before. So the parrots perched on a perch, and Bob's looking, and he sees that the parrot is only like twenty dollars. He's like, hmm, this is a really nice looking parrot. Why is he so cheap? Is that 
how much parrots cost? I'm not okay. too sure how yeah. much parrots. Continue. I'm, I'm sorry. There's no reason we need to fact check this joke. Well, we'll, we'll I apologize. Back. Continue. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> and so the the pet store owner is like, oh, well, he's so cheap because he doesn't have any feet. And Bob's like, what do you mean he doesn't have any feet? How can he sit on the perch if he doesn't have any feet? Why isn't he falling off? Mm-hmm. And to Bob's surprise, the parrot speaks. And he's like, I'll tell you if you promise not to laugh at me. And Bob's like, I'm not that kind of person, bro. <laughs> what do you mean? We just met. I wouldn't laugh at you. He's, he's taking him back because Bob's a good guy. And Bob's like, I would never laugh at you. And so the parrot says, well, if you must know, I've taught myself to hang on to this perch by wrapping my penis <gasps> around <What>? the perch. <laughs> what? Listen, he's, where is this going? <laughs> the bot or the bird's name, by the way, is Jerome. So Jerome <laughs> has he's he's pretty skilled, right? He's oh he's pretty good at what he does. God. And Bob's initial response is, "Oh my God, you can talk!" And Jerome's like, "Excuse me, I speak three languages: <laughs> French, Russian." and English and I have an affinity for philosophy so they have a conversation for like 20 minutes in the pet store about philosophy and his favorite philosophers and whatever else and Bob's like you know what this is exactly what I need if I had this parrot with me if I had Jerome I wouldn't be so lonely and sad in my own home so Bob goes slaps $20 on the counter (laughs) Bob and Jerome for life right so one day Bob comes home and um, he's like, hey, Jerome, what's going on? How are you? Home from work. So he's been out all day. Hey, Jerome, how are you? Jerome's like, oh, man, Bob, I've got some bad news for you. Bob's like, oh, my God, what? what is it? He was like, it's your wife, man. He's like, oh, my God, is she okay? He's like, yeah, she's fine. But I need to tell you that when the mailman came over today to deliver a package, she let him in the house. Bob's like, okay, well, maybe she just had the time for something. Jerome's like, no, no, that's not what it is. When he came in the house, they went to the bedroom. What? Bob's like, well, maybe it was just a heavy package. What? He had to lay it down in the bedroom. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is about to happen? <laughs> and Jerome's like, no, no, I saw the whole thing. That's not what this was. He didn't have a package in his hand, man. And Bob's like, oh, my God, Jerome, give it to me straight. Oh what my happened? God. Jerome says, well, when the mailman got into the bedroom, your wife took off her robe, and she had this very, very beautiful lace, silk, satin teddy on. And Bob's like, oh, my God, what happened? And Jerome says, well, the mailman comes very close to her and he's caressing her shoulders and they're getting very, very close and they start breathing really heavy. And Bob's like, oh, my God, what happens next? And then Jerome says, well, he took the the strap on one of her shoulders and he very, very slowly lowers it down and he kissed her collarbone. And Bob's like, oh, my my God, oh, my God, I can't take it. (laughs) What is about to happen? happen next? And Jerome says, well, then he did the same thing with the other strap. He slid it down her shoulder and he kissed her collarbone. And Bob's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe this. What happened next? And Jerome's like, well, he grabbed her very, very roughly. And he says, I'm going to kiss you now. You're going to love it. And Bob's like, oh, my God. What happened next? And Jerome says, I don't know. Bob says, what do you mean you don't know? You saw the whole thing. He was like, man, I don't know how it ended. Bob says, what do you mean you were right there? I know where your cage is. You can see the entire bedroom. What do you mean? (laughs) Jerome says, I fell off my perch. (laughs) (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Yeah, a little bad erection. (laughs) Oh, my God. I cannot believe that's the joke. You know what? Oh my gosh. I will even indulge that. Give it up for Tracy. Yay! <laughs> I can't believe that's the journey we went on just now.
Heaven, do you have somebody to buy around for? Um, what do I love this week? I'm really excited that it is a good time to be a glasses wearer. Mm. So mm. are you buying rounds for everybody that wears glasses? Yes, I think I will. Okay. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. By contrast, I would like to buy a round for everybody who wears glasses, but whose eyes are so bad that they can't wear the cute little fashion frames that they would like to. Wait. Because their <laughs> eyes, because their frames are Shots so thick. Me. No, this is a shot at me. Damn it, I can't wear the glasses I want to wear because I'm blind as a bat. And so sometimes we get cute little fashion frames that don't actually have prescriptions. And you know what? That's okay because we know the struggle of having to wear glasses since we were in second grade and we couldn't even <laughs> see the chalkboard. And so then we had to get glasses. Yeah. So I've My been whole there. family wears glasses my little sister's worn glasses since like the second grade i just want to shout out all of you oh because it's so hard wearing glasses and like as a young person Uh my little sister struggled oh bless her heart bless her heart yeah and now i'm at a time where i have two pairs of glasses that i wear look at you that i wear with different outfits flex on them i'm just flexing right now i just have different pairs of glasses for different days you got options that's wild (laughs) i never thought i'd see this day (laughs) and they look great i have to say thank you but shout out to everyone who fucking wears glasses here's a round for you a round for you guys heaven we made it Episode number two. Yes. Thanks for listening. Hey. And we we made made it. it. Hey. I fucking love that song. (laughs) Oh. We made it. Guys, thank you so much for listening. (laughs) It was a blast. I hope you will tune in for next week. Please come back. It was so much fun. Thank you. We love y'all. Bye. Bye. Nigga, we made it.